Well, I am excited to be here. I am really excited to be here. We had a great time men's retreat and to follow it up. We're in the middle of this series, All In, and we're all in together. And, and the, the goal is this thing really called maturity. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we want to mature together. We want to get off the spiritual milk. We want to eat some spiritual steak, right? We want to n- not just be uh, consumers. We want to be providers in God's kingdom. It's a helpful reminder to remember how Jesus defines maturity. It's not knowing more. It's, it's really two things. It's to love God, love neighbor. When he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? What, what, what's the greatest thing that we're called to do? It's to love God more and to love our neighbor as ourself. Love is the metric. That's how we define spiritual maturity or how Jesus defines spiritual maturity. But today, as we're talking about all in, we all serve. I want us to look at and understand, I think, how we mature. Because I, I think this practice of serving, we do this thing, and I do it myself. Like if you're serving kids, like three Sundays a month, you're in here and you're, and you're growing spiritually. But then once a month, you're, you're just serving in kids I would argue as far as a spiritual practice to mature you up, it is much better to go serve a two-year-old than to hear me talk. I promise you, if you're serving a two-year-old and they will not stop crying, God is doing a work in your heart in that moment if you allow him. There is something supernatural about about serving others, pouring out for others that just grows us up. So I want us to see that because I think we, we have this inherent false understanding of maturity. We equate maturity with two things, knowing more and doing more. That's how we, equi- we, we see people who know a lot about the Bible. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. And, and people that have a lot of activity as being mature, and that's not inherently true because we can do both of those things without what? Love. And so what I want us to look at today is what does kingdom serving look like? Let's go to Ephesians 4. It'll be on the screen, but you know what? Go to your Bibles. Learn where it is. Open your paper Bible, your digital Bible. It's a good day today, isn't it? God, man, I'm excited to be here. Little life? Little, no? Okay. I'm going to keep bothering you. Don't worry. Because I'm here for like 40 minutes. And so... And you're free to leave. I mean that with all my heart and all my love. You're free to take a nap. Whatever you need today, we want, we want to serve you. But I will tell you this. I think the greatest thing that you need to hear today is that Jesus Christ really came. He lived a, a, a perfect life. A perfect life. He, he literally died. Three days later, hear this, he literally resurrected from the grave, defeated sin and death. And now hear this. If you put your faith and trust in him, that means you're now perfect. You have nothing else to do except walk in his perfection, his beauty, his perseverance, his rest. All who are weary come to the fountain today and drink. So if you're tired, I get it. Life is hard. Can everybody say amen? Life is hard. Come in. Be tired. You know what? Kids are annoying. Amen? 
Bills are annoying, amen? Traffic is annoying. Taxes are hard. All of this is hard. Bring it all here, but come to him. Because if you're weary, if you're tired, there's only one thing. It's not more money, friends. It's not. It's not more money. It's not having our kids do better. It's not more stuff. It's not more promotions. It's none of those things. Come to him. All right, Ephesians 4. That's all free, too. All free. Free of charge. Ephesians 4, verse 11. This is a great passage, one of my favorites in all the Bible, on how we grow spiritually. It says here in verse 11 that he gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. This this picture that Jesus Christ, he's empowered some leaders with these gifts to be apostles, to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And here's why in verse 12. It's to equip the saints. This is the teach the man to fish principle, right? Not just feed the saints and keep feeding, but to literally equip them for kingdom work. Not, a, not like have them keep showing up, but hear this. In Christ, you're a mighty warrior. In Christ, you have great purpose. In Christ, you're free. And the role of a pastor is to like help you see that and help you do that. It's to equip you for ministry, to build up the body of Christ. So hear this. Maturity involves godly leaders. You need godly leaders to help build you up into him. This is part of the role of the church that me and other leaders, we feel called to this thing to pour into you, to equip you for the work of ministry. So maturity involves godly leaders. Verse 13, let's keep going. It says here, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's a whole sermon right there. Then we'll no longer be little children, tossed by the waves, blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. There's all kinds of messages and part of the role of the church is to equip you with right doctrine. Listen, to be mature, it involves right doctrine. You need to know who God is, who Christ is, what he has done, what the scriptures say. They inform how we live and what we believe. You need those things for maturity. Let's keep going. Verse 15. I love this. It's so beautiful here. I pray this for us as a people, but speaking the truth in love. Not just bludgeoning with the truth and not ignoring the flaws, but speaking the truth in love. Let us grow into every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Hear this, maturity involves gospeling each other. We need to be a people that are constantly encouraging and challenging each other with the good news of Jesus. So we need godly leaders that equip us. We need to know and grow in right doctrine to mature. And we need one another. We desperately need one another. The beauty of this weekend with these men is that we got to just, for 24 hours, just stop and really gospel each other with no distractions. We need those things. A healthy church, healthy spiritual life for us to grow. These things connect us 
as it says here in verse 15, into Christ. This is the track. But hear this. It's not fully complete. We need those things for maturity. But if we stop there, we have the church in America. We have really big heads, as I heard someone say, full of knowledge about these things. But we're doing nothing for the world around us. And hear this, we can know all the things, but if we don't actually pour out, we're not becoming like Jesus. Listen, we, this is almost like, we tend to treat church almost like if we were wanting to be doctors and we go to med school and once we learn all the head things, we never go to clinicals. We're gonna kill a lot of patients that way. It's an incomplete way to learn how to be a doctor, correct? We inherently get this. Nobody here wants their kid to, to be the kid who knows how to do nothing, right? Who says, take out the trash, like what? The trash? We, we want to see the kids that we raise grow up to be able to not just consume, but to pour out. And that leads us to really our main verse today, the one I'm gonna focus on the rest of our time today. It's in Ephesians 4, verse 16. Jamie read it a minute ago, but I want to read it again. It says here, from him, this is from Christ, he is the head, the whole body. And if you're in Christ, you're a part of this body. You're a finger, you're a toe, maybe you're the six-pack. I don't know who you are. Maybe you're, I don't know who you are, but you're something. The whole body fitted, knit together by every supporting ligament. Do you see this here? how none of this makes any sense in our individualized culture. The context of spiritual growth in the text is always communal. It's always like we're doing this together. We desperately need each other. And it promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love. So if we're a body growing, but we're not growing in love, we're not growing in the way of Jesus. You can grow all you want to numbers. You can do all the things, but if there is no love, there's nothing. And listen, we're a bigger church than we were three years ago, but hear this, if we're not growing in love, we're not growing. Does that make sense? Because if we actually are growing, we're growing into him. And if you grow into him, you're going to love more. You're gonna laugh more. You're going to cry more. You're going to be more alive, but you're going to love more. So if we're not growing in love, we're not growing. And then we're going to look at this last phrase today. It says here, we grow up in love by. It's this kind of picture. This We grow in, this is how we do this. By the proper working of each individual part. The proper working of each part. We've all got a role to play. We got to play it the right way and from the right place, but we've all got a role to play. We've got to be all in. And here's the big idea. Maturity is impossible without kingdom serving. It's impossible without kingdom serving. Quote all the scriptures, do all the things, but without kingdom serving, and really the difference between kingdom serving and orphan serving, as I would call it. So I guess we're in the fall season, is that right? 
technically, even though it's like 99 degrees outside. And it's coming up where it's going to be Thanksgiving, right, where the Cowboys will probably lose. And that's just the truth. I'm a fan, but it's a spade, it's a spade. Um, and I was thinking about Thanksgiving in light of this idea of us serving and us being mature. And I had a picture of like three different kind of people at Thanksgiving to help us see, I think, the false ways that we can walk in this. Scenario one, I would say, is the older brother. And the older brother shows up for Thanksgiving and shows up on time. And they, the older brother, listen, they know how to cook and prepare and serve the best Thanksgiving dinner in the history of dinners. But the older brother, what they do, they sit on the couch. And while mom's running around and their cousins and they're all working and fixing, the older, older brother just sits there and just points out how they're doing it wrong the entire time. No, that's a little, that, that, that turkey's a little dry. No, I don't like that. No, put the silverware there. And they're just sitting there doing nothing but showing how great and smart and superior they are to everybody. And if we're honest, there are moments in our life that we walk as that older brother, don't we? Where we, we don't jump in, we sit back and we just point out where things are wrong. But there's also, I think, what is like the busy sister, right? She's the one where she walks in and everybody's working, but she has too much going on. She's just, I've got to read all the ads for Black Friday. Tomorrow shopping, I got to get my plan together. I can't help right now, mom. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Oh, I got a phone call. Oh, I know, I'm so busy too. I've got to plan this for next week. They're so consumed, they just miss out. They miss out on helping and serving to make the meal happen, right? Or you have what I call is the prove it sibling. And this is the one I think that we can most relate to. It's the time when like mom and dad have gotten a little bit older, but they're still with it enough to like criticize. And, and now it's on you, the sibling to take care of the dinner. And you know the recipe, you know how it's supposed to work, but man, you're doing all this and you're so frantic and most of all, you're so worried you're going to disappoint your parents. And you work and you work and you want them to see how good you're doing and you're trying to prove it to them and you're doing all this stuff. And listen, the busy sister is annoying. The older brother's a jerk. You're the one doing all the work to prove to mom and dad how good you are, yet it's never, ever enough. You think, well, well, next Thanksgiving I'll do better. And it comes next Thanksgiving and you plan more and you work harder and you try harder and it comes 7.30, everybody's leaving and no one says thank you. And all that work feels in vain. Well, I'll try harder next year. And you keep working and you keep working and you keep working and you're missing out on the joy of the meal with the Father, correct? And it's because we don't understand what kingdom serving is. See, we want to reject the busyness and we want to reject the laziness, but we'll step right into the self-righteousness, won't we? Friends, that's orphan serving. Serving as if we have no parents and we've got to serve so good that at least one father will adopt us, right? That's not how God's children serve. They, sing, they serve as kings getting a seat at the table. And we think, this is, this is, this is the foolishness. 
Hear this, church. The world is not changed through your orphan serving, through your like serving with a frown on your face, right? It's the, it's the kind of serving when I tell Connor, go make your bed, and he wants to like hit me in the face, but he does it anyways, right? That's not going to change the world, friends, and it's not going to make you more like Christ. Where James, we say, well, James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And that is completely true. But the word is not this word of you just do this with a bad attitude. It's this word that says, do this from the depths of the joy in your heart. What does Jesus say? Not outside the cup, but he looks inside the cup. Hear this, the people of God do not live their life with like this grit and bear it kind of bitterness, I have to do this. The people of God live their life as I get to do this. Here's kind of my point. When we say all in serving, hear this, I don't mean all in orphan serving. I don't mean all in do more. I don't mean all in strive more. That does not mature us in love. I read this quote this week from this guy, Ian Falconer. He says, I have but one candle of life to burn. And I'd rather burn it in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with lights. Our life is not meant just to get through. Our life is meant for so much more, friends. So in verse 16 from our text today, I think we get this full picture of what kingdom serving looks like. And our phrase, I would encourage you to underline your Bible, the proper working of each individual part. Let's look first at the proper, that word proper, the proper working of each part. What is this proper working? I think it's this right here. What does he mean when he says proper? First Corinthians 13. Is it on the screen? Hope I have that or not. Awesome. No, it's not. It says here, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so that I can move mountains. Do you hear the miracles that's happening right here? But I do not have love. I am nothing. Hear this, church. Kingdom serving is all about love. It comes from love and it ends with love. Kingdom serving is all about love. And we serve, it is, it's actually a love story from God through us to the world. We can do really, really great things, but if it's not in love, nobody wins. Nobody wins. This really goes back, I think, in this practice of serving, where Jesus says, do your good works in secret. And I hate that. Don't you? Men in this room, when you change, when you do something that you know that you don't normally do, you make sure your wife knows about it, right? Oh, I'm just, just doing the dishes and doing it all loud, right? We love to get credits, right? Oh, I'm feeding the dog. I never feed the dog. That's not my job. I don't want that dog. It's, not, it's in my house. It's not paying rent. And so I know he's a good dog. 
but he's a dog. And so there, we had some discussion at Men's Retreat about this, that stay at Men's Retreat, guys. Stay at Men's Retreat. It's a safe place. <laughs> um, here's the deal. There is something that what makes you a real lover of people is when you do things looking for no credit or no return. When you do things in secret. When you bless someone and they have no idea that you bless them. Because it's not about you in that moment. Because if we, if we serve to be seen, do you know who's really being served? Me. Because we're serving as a means to love ourselves and not God and not neighbor. It's a way to build ourselves up, to make ourselves look like God. It's the ultimate picture of pride. But hidden like love saturated, unseen serving, others focused serving, I think can maybe be one of the greatest spiritual practices that you can do to grow in love and to change the world around you. Can you imagine if this room here decided to be a full, room full of all in servants who bless others unseen? Like there was like this miracle of like blessings happening in our little community and they have no idea why it's happening. Like there's just money coming up and there's these yards being mowed and there's these elderly being cared for. There's all the, we don't have no idea why it's happening. It'll be beautiful. I was thinking about this. You know, one of the best spiritual practices in my life, it's not when I go to conferences or, or retreats. It's when I go on family vacation. And it's because, and I think it's because they cost so much money for me. <laughs> I'm a cheap person. And because I've spent so much money, I want my family to have the best time possible. And for the three or four or five days that we're doing this, I tend to like say, I'm just going to serve. This week is not about me. And I wouldn't even say that's like from a spiritual place many times, but it's just that act of saying, no, not about me. I don't care who sees. I want to make sure Tracy and Hayes and Connor and Hattie have a good time this week. And I'm going to serve them as, and just say yes to so many things. And it's many times, I remember going to Disney World and it was awful and phenomenal at the same time. Because I'm just saying yes and I'm just serving and, and it's kind of awful, but I felt so free. Do you know how free it is to put your yes on the table for God? And to just say, you know what, I'm, my life is a vessel to serve. I have free time now. It's not about me. But those, those vacations with family, those kind of environments, going on mission trips, they're not easy, are they? Which leads to our next thought. So the proper is how we love. But what does this word working mean? The proper working of each individual part. And this is real simple, actually. Kingdom serving is hard. Working inherently means you're going to sacrifice. Listen, working is to sacrifice. To serve is to not always enjoy serving. 
To serve is to literally humble yourself, to make yourself lower than other people. To serve, bad news, guys, is to lose. It's to allow the other person to win based off your sweat and your sacrifice. To serve is to purposefully, intentionally make ourselves lower than others. And in our American way of life, that is painful. It feels wrong. And we do not like it. Most times, the greatest joys you're going to find in serving are not the things you would choose to do. And would make no sense to the rest of the world. I was talking with Matt yesterday as we drove home from the retreat, Matt East, about their time in Uganda and their experience there and, and why they did that. And it, it made no sense to me outside of God led them there. It's not something you would choose to do, right? Because kingdom serving is hard. Matthew 26, we see this picture of Jesus in the garden before he goes to the cross. It says here, he's taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. If you will in your Bibles, underline those two words, sorrowful and trouble. Because I want to remind you, the person who was fully God and fully human lived in this world and he had sorrow and he had trouble. And if someone promises you a faith that is only a, a faith of victory and ease, that's a false faith, friends. Kingdom serving is hard. Sometimes it's sorrowful. Sometimes it's full of trouble when the people that you are serving don't take steps or the person stays sick, or they leave the faith, or they gossip about you, they spread lies about you. But what does Jesus say? Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, right? Let's keep going. It says here in 38, he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Kingdom serving is hard. He says, remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and he prayed. My father, if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Kingdom serving is hard. But here's why Jesus is Jesus. Yet not as I will, but as you will. When it's hard, here's what it requires. It requires yielding. The kingdom serving that's so hard is always going to require the yielding of your rights, of your comforts, of your security. But here, 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 please here. In the yielding, on the other side of yielding is the freedom. On the other side of yielding is the freedom. Full disclosure, you talk to most ministers or leaders or those who are doing great things in the faith. Many times, it's not what they feel like doing. It's not, but it's in the yielding that we're matured and we find the freedom of pouring out for others, right? Kingdom serving is hard. Or look at Paul's life in 2 Corinthians 11. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it to you. Paul says to this, this church in Corinth, are, are they servants of Christ? It's one of these others kind of false teachers. He says, I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors. 
many more imprisonments. He has a weird way of boasting. Far worse beatings. I was many times near death. 20, verse 24, it says, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Kingdom serving is hard. Three times I was beaten with rods. Kingdom serving is hard. Once I received a stoning. Kingdom serving is hard. Three times I was shipwrecked. Kingdom serving is hard. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. No, thank you, Paul. Kingdom serving is hard. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, without clothing. Kingdom serving is hard. Not to mention other things. Paul, what are, you, what are the other things here, Paul? There is this daily pressure on me. My concern for all the churches. Because kingdom serving is hard, people. Martin Luther says this, a religion that gives nothing, that costs nothing, that suffers nothing, is worth nothing. This will be hard. We have to move past this idea that kingdom serving is going to be easy or it's going to be on our timetable. Jason Wood, that's for me. That it's going to be something that we can enjoy while we have a latte and take an Instagram picture. That's not kingdom serving, people. Kingdom serving only works when it costs something. Your time, your money, your sweat, your pride, your pride. So we see here that kingdom serving is all about love. But it's going to be hard. But here's, I think, the shift that I want all of us to see today. If it was only about us trying to love more. If it was just like, this is going to be hard, go out and do it. It would be incomplete, wouldn't it? And, and if we're honest, most of us have tried that race for 30 or 40 years now. Got to love more. I just got to love more. I just got to love more. I, I got I to sacrifice more. I got to you know what, I gotta, I gotta work and do more. It's impossible because you're tapping into this old self, to the fleshly self, the orphan self, and that, that person cannot do that. We run out of juice, we stop loving, and we start avoiding hard things. And the cycle goes again and again. Just me? Which is why this last point I think is most essential. It says here, the proper working of each individual part. Each individual part. And this each part speaks to one thing, the uniqueness of the family of God, of me, and of you, and of us in this body of Christ. It speaks to new life, church. It speaks to us not as orphans with no name, but as a new creation with a brand new identity. Because kingdom serving is rooted in identity. And if we get that backwards, we're done. We're going to serve, we're going to try, run out of gas, repeat process. Right? This is the key. We are loving, we are doing, we are serving not for the approval, but from the approval. 
We're not serving to acquire this identity. Say, look at me, look at me. This identity has been freely given already. This is why I think adoption is a perfect picture of the gospel. And this is why I love that I adopted because my daughter, Hattie Jane, had nothing to do with getting that last name Wood. Nothing at all. But guess what? Ask her name now. What'd she say? Hattie Jane Wood. Did nothing for it, but that girl walks boldly in it. Hear this, church. You did nothing for it, but walk boldly in it. You are a new creation. What else is there? We have a new identity. What else are we doing? Isn't that good? That's why I'm excited today, right? This is the key difference between orphan serving and kingdom serving. Because kingdom serving does not mean you don't sweat. It means your body could be really tired, but guess what? Your soul is brand new, baby. It's got a new name on it. New wheels, new rims, I guess. I'm not that cool, but it'll have something new on it for sure. A new AC is what I need. (laughs) It gets hot out there. And, um, but it's going to be new, friends, and that new soul will take your body and have your body do things you can't imagine. That, you could, that if you look back 10 years ago at that former orphan self, and you look now at the kingdom self, think, whoa, look at, what this, look at what kingdom John is doing. Look at what kingdom Sarah is doing. Look at what this new kingdom person is doing. Because here is the trick of identity is that our parents are not really our parents. In Christ, we have a new father, right? And it's from that new father, he gives a new identity, right? And it's from that new identity, we have a new purpose, right? And that purpose gives us what? Hope and life and it changes the world. So let's stop living as if we're just these people down here. No, you were knit together by a great father. And now you're being made new by his spirits. If we surrender, if we allow, if we walk, amen? This is the secret to joy. This is all in serving, church. This is serving that says, get off the cycle, come rest and follow me. Stop doing, stop doing, start looking and receiving. Stop doing, start looking at Jesus. If it's hard for you to serve and not be seen, look at Jesus who came in to this anonymous town thousands of years ago to this poor woman as a little baby, the most anonymous way a king could come into the world. That's how he came. Look at him. If you have trouble to serve those who have betrayed you, who have gossiped about you, who you just don't like and have a reason to not like them, look at Jesus who saw Judas. And he knew what Judas was about to do. Did he run? No, he wrapped the towel. He got on his knees and he washed the feet of the traitor. Look to Jesus. If you want to give up, if you're so tired from the discouragement of this world that you can't think, how can I serve and help others? Look at Jesus who was in the garden, who was sorrowful, who was at his really, his, his, his just, he was so discouraged. And he went to the Father and he said, not your will, but mine. Look at him. Look to him and just say, I surrender and I trust in you and God will do something in your heart. Look to him. Surrender and he makes us new. And as he makes us new, in this newness of life, we go and we serve and we walk in the newness of life. Many times, the freedom that you're looking for in this world is on the other side of hard. Let me explain this. 
is that you feel this new identity. And you're like walking around and you're like, God, this doesn't feel right. And in this new identity, the Spirit says, take this step right here. And you're like, well, I, I can't do that. that. I might fall down or I might hurt somebody or I might look silly. And, and you, it's in that moment, it's in that hard that you take the step, that you cross the street and you ask the neighbor, how can I pray for you? It's in that step of faith where then freedom is found. Because what God does, he's like, it's like a little baby walking. Oh, I can do this. And hear and obey, hear and obey. And you trust and you walk and you walk and you're walking faster because you're not walking in your own power, are you? You're learning to trust in the one who moves you as you do this step by step by step. All right, this is wrapping up, maybe. Let's go back to Thanksgiving for a minute in light of what we learned today. In light of this new identity in Christ, we're no longer the older brother. We are servants of the king. We don't point and criticize. We put on the towel and serve with a smile, right? No more busy sister because this world is not our home, is it church? The work we're busy with is not consuming stuff and buying stuff or, or traditions. The work we're consumed with is serving and loving each other in God's kingdom way. And no more prove it, brother and sister. The father is making the meal with a smile on his face. And he says, come children, help me. I have just the job for you, Dave. I have just the job for you, Tracy. I have just the perfect job for you. Just come and serve. Come do it with me. And as we do it together, we'll be full of joy. You know what, as we do, we're probably going to sing as we do it together because there's so much joy in making the meal. There's so much joy in doing God's restoring work. We can't help but sing because the Father is so good. And he's saying, just come with me. If you don't have to do this part of the meal, just come with me and follow me. Listen and obey the great hymn, right? Just follow me step by step. And we'll learn how to serve as kings and not as orphans. Amen? Kingdom serving is the only way to find true rest. Which sounds crazy. Because every other kind of work and serving is just doing it from your own power. Kingdom serving, hear this, it might be harder. It might require more of a sacrifice by this world's standards might be less noticed. You might not have all the toys and the things this world offers because your life is different. You have a different king, different thing you're seeking. But here's the key, the, the switch. Your soul is completely at rest because you're doing it from the right source. You're doing it and it's who you're made to be. Each individual part. God is building something beautiful in this world. Your father is building something beautiful in this world. And your, your father is inviting you to play an essential role that literally he knits you together to do, that he breathed his spirit inside of you to empower you to do. And hear this. The father who adopted you, as you stumble through this with your sin and your foolishness and your pride and your ignorance, your, your father is not like getting frustrated or, uh, or turning his back. 
No, 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 no. He's pursuing more. That's what he's doing. Oh, no, Dave, come on, Dave, come on, come on. He's looking for you. He's pursuing you. Not to push you back down, but to invite you back in. So today there's a good chance you're here and you have blown it a million times this week, correct? Correct? We can all nod our heads. And you're here and you've blown it. And the Father's saying simply, turn away from the stuff you blew and just come back to me. To rep- this, the, the, the Bible word, to repent and believe. To turn and to trust me again. All right, let me land this plane. And, and what this might look like. I will just say this. I, I believe there could be people here today who need to say, I just need a new identity. I have, I've been, the, I've been the, 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 the sibling just trying to prove for like 30 or 40 years, and I've never actually just said, I, I believe the Father. And today, I, I, I need to take that step of faith, and I need to just join the family. And we're going to pray in a minute, and we're going to have a prayer team in the back, and I'll be back there, and I would, it would, I would, I, I would love to pray with you. And, and if that's you today, I would encourage you to take that step. Come pray with us. It'd be the greatest honor and joy of our day to do that. I promise you that. But how do we walk all in? You're given a little card. It's a great card. You know, we did a great job there, I think. It's pretty. All in, everybody serves. So what does it look like? Does that mean that we got to quit our job, uh, become a missionary? Probably not. But if that's where God is leading you, once again, come talk to us. But for most of us, that's not the case. Here is the shift that we need to make to serve in this way. First shift, we need to serve the world that God has placed us in. Friends, you don't have to go look for a mission. It's right there where you live, work, and play. Just serve where God has planted you. Second, we must serve from and not for. That's the shift. We must serve from and not for. So we must serve from a place of rest in what he has done. And then we go out with our father, our father, our father holding our hand and say, what are we doing, dad? We serve from and not for. So three ways we encourage you to do this. And I would encourage everybody, please just go and take this out. It should be beside your chair, behind you somewhere. There should be enough of these. If you don't have one, um, just scream or raise your hand probably. That'd probably be more appropriate. Um, we want everyone here. Here is our, our loving nudge for our church is for everybody to serve. And uh, the way you can serve our church, we have ministry teams. It's an easy win for you to learn how we just walk as a family. Listen, there are family chores to do. Curtains down is a family chore. Changing diapers is a family chore. Greeting guests is a family chore. It's a joy to do. If you're not on a team, please let us know. We will connect you to a team. If you're already serving, just check that so we know. So you're like, you're serving with us, you're all in. We want to know that. Second, we serve the hub. We serve the hub most Sundays uh, of the year, and we serve through our missional communities. If you're not serving at the hub, just right there you're not serving, and let us know. We want to connect you to help you serve at the hub. For me and uh, my boys, when we serve, it, it might be one of the most spiritually beneficial things we do every month. Just go, the conversations we have, many, listen, when we serve at Sunday at 4.30 uh, during football season, it's the last thing you want to do. 
which means it's probably the best thing for my soul to do, correct? Last thing, I serve my front row. When we say front row, there are people in all of our lives, neighbors, family, coworkers, soccer buddies, whatever your thing is, that they see you. You encounter daily, weekly, monthly, they're on the front row of your life. And if I had to guess, these are the ones we probably serve the least because those are the ones that take the, that faith step I talked about earlier, where we're gonna have to give up some pride of the orphan self and take a step of the kingdom self to serve them, to cross the street, to invite for dinner, to go prayer walk, to go mow the grass, to notice them, to not run inside. So my challenge to you is this week, how will you bless your front row? I would love, if, if you're serving in some way we don't know about, like uh, Miss, Miss Leslie here, she just blesses widows in our community. And nobody knows that, but she just blesses widows every single week. It's a beautiful ministry that she has. And I'm sure that many of you are doing things like that. We want to join you in prayer. We want to celebrate those things. So let us know what they are. But here is the encouragement. Let's go all in. Let's learn how to serve from our identity and serve as kings and not orphans. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for, goodness, Father, thank you for everything. Father, I pray that the word that, we, that was preached today is received in the right spirit, that we don't hear do more, but that we hear that he is enough and it is finished. And that it's from, it's from that identity and that rest that we can do some incredible kingdom things, Father. So, Father, help us take a step today. Let uh, the, your, your voice, uh, your kindness, Lead us to conviction and to repentance, Father. To turn from the foolishness and walk back into step with you, Lord. For those that are feeling the spirit at work to have a change in identity, a change in kingdom, Father, give them the courage and the faith to take that step today, Father. Be with us, guide us. We love you. Amen. Now it's time for communion. When, as we talk about serving, we're reminded once again of our new identity and why we serve. And how the Father prepared the table, prepared the meal with his body and with his blood. And we come with like childlike faith and we just, in worship, and I think even in reverence and awe, we're amazed at what he has done for us. How his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. So this is a family meal. If you're not a part of this family of God, this is not for you. I would encourage you to sit and reflect. Maybe you don't believe it, that, that's fine. But sit and reflect on the words you heard today, on the fact that we all here believe that Jesus Christ did die and was a body in the blood for us and resurrected. Or go talk to somebody in the back about these things. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to do work with him. And when you're ready, come, partake, enjoy him.